Too many entrepreneurs are struggling to seize the unique opportunities available in business today. The Get Clear Podcast is here to connect the best people with best tools so that they can reach their business goals. Now, please welcome the host of the Get Clear Podcast, John Morrison. Hey, everybody. It's good to have you on another session of the Get Clear Podcast. My name is John Morrison. It's a privilege to get to spend some time with you. I know you're busy. you got lots going on. And yet here you are spending time with me. And I want to introduce you to someone uh, special today. As you may know, I am a certified story brand guide. That just simply means I have to talk about story brand a lot. But I love doing it because it leverages the power of story with, I think, some best business practices. And as a result, I get to meet tons of cool people. Uh, one of the first people I met that ever had the title story brand guide was a guy named Wes Gay. I knew that he was uh, a big deal in this community and having lots of success. I was referred to him. Someone said, if you want to learn more about StoryBrand, you got to talk to this guy. So I called him up and he was very generous with his time. I had tons of questions, uh, tons of insecurities, and he just worked with me, walked with me. He was my guide through getting certified. And then I just have had a chance to lean on him uh, a couple of times when I've had a few questions. And, and one of the things I, I did was hey, I said, hey, Wes, would you give me some time to talk to my community about uh, some copywriting things that you've learned? Because I just know Wes is a great copywriter. He's built a reputation in the industry for being the guy that you go to when you need some great copy done. And so I want to talk to him about some common copywriting uh, mistakes and just a few principles that we can learn because everyone's got to write something, right? If you're writing emails, you're writing copy. If you're doing a website, you're writing copy. If you're ever, I mean, there's just putting together a brochure. You, you need to be a good copywriter. And even social media posts, right? Like we're always writing stuff for other people and, and trying to sell something with our ideas. And so Wes is going to give us some principles. I really enjoyed this uh, interview and I think you will as well. So here's my uh, interview with uh, certified story brand guide, one of the original gangsters of it, or OGs, I think maybe just means original guides, maybe. But anyways, you're going to enjoy this conversation because I sure did. So here is my conversation with Wes Gay. I want to ask just quickly, Wes, if you could tell us your uh, experience with how sure. you got into story brand because everybody, every guide has a really cool story. I'd just love to hear yours, and I don't think many people sure. have, uh, have actually heard it yet. Yeah, sure. So I spent about eight or 10 years working in churches and nonprofits, um, communications, marketing. I was an event planner for a nonprofit in Orlando at one point, planning about 30 events a year for a few years. Uh, worked in churches, did worship ministry, student ministry, you name it. I always wound up with IT, though, because I was usually the only guy under 40. And everybody's right. like, oh, you're under 40, therefore you understand IT. I'm like, no, I'm just under 40. Like, So anyways, did a lot of that. And then in 2016, I... Um, I found myself without a job. So I went about six months unemployed and I tried everything, right? I was, I still have a folder in my email of all the places where I got letters from emails, like exchanges I had dozens of jobs. I tried in the corporate world. I tried in, um, you know, other small businesses. I tried in churches. I even tried to have a master's degree from a seminary when I worked in churches. And I even tried reaching out to a provost at the seminary I attended who I had known for a long time saying, Hey, we're, I'm thinking about maybe moving back, getting an MDiv. Can you help me? with a job, nothing. Like he even sent out recommendations. Nothing was opening. So funny. I, I had already known about StoryBrand. This is about late 2016 by this point. I had already known about StoryBrand for about a year. Um, I had been working at a church the year before with a guy, and there was a, a guy at our church who had was working for John Maxwell, and Don Miller had come down and done a private workshop in those days. I was familiar with the workshops. 
was looking into it, really wanted to go to Nashville, and we couldn't pull it off as a church. Then they start the podcast, right? And I'm like, this is great. Love this stuff. Have loved Don's work all the way back to 2005 when I first read his book, Blue Like Jazz. And um, was a big fan of it. I thought, you know what? They had this copywriter certification coming up. I don't exactly know what a copywriter does because I had no idea. Um, but I knew at that point I had actually been writing for Forbes.com for a couple of months. They had reached out to me about being a contributor. I did it. It turned into a paid deal all while I still didn't have a full-time job. So I go to this, I decide on like a Friday afternoon at four o'clock, I'm going to go be a certified copywriter with the story brand drive over on Monday morning because we didn't have any money. So I didn't want to spend the hotel room the night before drive over super early, get there, spend their two days in Nashville and think this feels right. Like this is it. Get home within a week. I had a client as a copywriter. Didn't know what a copywriter did still. Technically, I was just starting to figure it all out. Didn't know what to charge. Had no concept of any of this uh, and just hit the ground running. In just a few weeks, I had several clients. We had had been living with my mother-in-law. We moved out. We had a six-month-old and a two-year-old at that point in the house I'm currently in. Um, we're closing on a new on a buying house, first house in a month or so. Um, but yeah, I just started to grow from there. In 2017, I went to the certified, the first ever guide certification. Got certified then. Took off from there. Late 2018, I transitioned to be a StoryBrand certified agency. So it's been quite a wild ride. Uh, worked with tons and tons of clients, ranging from you know, a billion dollar theme park brand all the way down to local businesses at half a million dollars, churches, nonprofits, you name it. The, the core commonality is not only the story brand framework, but also because I have a writing background and I was started as a copywriter in this world is helping companies and organizations figure out the right words they need to say. Once we go through this framework, we get an idea of what the overall messaging need to be, needs to be where I get to come alongside them and say, hey, now here's the way we need to say it. Let's use this word and not that word. Let's try right. this, not that, so that we feel really good about uh, about the fact that we're getting really clear with what we're saying to our market, to our audience. Wes, I just, I love hearing that. You know, I, I was actually gritting ear to ear and probably even in, inside my heart just gritting even more because, I mean, that that journey is hilarious to me of how you struggled to find something to do and now, and here you are, you just found the right fit. It just was a matter of waiting. Like, I'm thinking about those conversations with your wife and you're like, honey, I swear, like I, I must be good at something. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> yeah. nobody sees it or nobody cares. Uh-huh. Just, God's timing's not right or whatever yeah. it is. But all of a sudden you, it clicks when you meet, you know, the story brand world. And all of a sudden uh-huh. now you become one of the best guides out there and companies are, are of all sizes are trusting you. Yeah. Tell me, just off the record, like, I guess we're on the record, so you can't really be off the record, but yeah. What was that like? I mean, to, to have to deal with like, I think I'm good at stuff, but I don't know what it is yet, right? Yeah, it was uh, frustrating. I mean, you wake up every day going, all right, I'm living with my mother-in-law's house, which is not a very big house. We had an, I had gotten fired from the last job five weeks before our second was born. So we had a 19-month-old and then a newborn, all crammed into two small bedrooms and upstairs of a house. And so all of our stuff was in storage. You're waking up every day going, I got to do something today to try to make money or have a job. I was kind of working part-time for a few hours a week with this one lady helping her run an e-commerce platform, but it wasn't just making much. A lot of promise of future money that never came. Uh, and every day you wake up going, I got to send somebody an email today. I've got to call somebody today. I've got to try to develop a plan today. And then also because I had a church background, one of the challenges, you know, being in church is that if you, if you don't have somebody to help you figure out what you're good at, it's hard for, um, businesses to figure out, okay, you work in church, but 
what did you do? <laughs> like it's the transferable skills are sometimes hard to make that connection. So yeah, you just sit around the water cooler and talk about your favorite of Jesus' disciples or something. Like, what did you guys do over there? Anyways. Oh, we paused. We lost him. You lose me? Yep, we're back. We're back. Okay, okay. we're back. Um, so I was yeah. just saying, what do you do? Sit around and talk about your favorite of Jesus' disciples, right? It's like, what, what do you guys do all day in the, in the church? Exactly, yeah. What do you guys do? Do you even work is right. One of the, one of the things people will ask sometimes. So, and meanwhile, was, you got to face your in-laws every day at dinner, right? And be like, I swear you married, uh, you married me, uh, your daughter off to a good guy. Like, I, I can do stuff, right? I can make money. Yeah. Eventually, I'm going to support <laughs> your grandkids and, and your daughter yeah, it, it was yeah and you're trying it, yeah it's a little embarrassing at times you're trying to figure out um not only what you're good at but also what's next because you think you're supposed to be doing this one thing and then every possible door gets slammed in your face and you're like i don't know so let me try other doors and every door seems shut yeah the interesting thing is though the story brand thing um and i haven't said this many places but I was actually driving one morning. We live north of Atlanta. We were, I was driving to the headquarters of Chick-fil-A, which is just south of town, because I had been writing for Forbes.com about millennials at that point. Yeah. Millennials in the workplace. And um, I had somebody from Chick-fil-A reach out and say, hey, we'd love to talk to you about possibly working together on the millennials issue we're having. Okay, great. I go down there um, to spend a couple hours with a couple of field, senior field sales folks and our field reps. And uh, my wife calls me on the way down. She was a virtual assistant for a nonprofit leader out of New Orleans. And she said, hey, he just got this email from StoryBrand about this copywriter certification. I said, yeah, I've seen it. They're talking about it on the podcast. I don't know if it's for me. I don't even know what a copywriter does. And she said, I think you should try it. She said, so what do we have to lose? Like, we, you know, it's $5,000. We don't have it. We'll put it on a credit card. We can pay it off at some point. But like, we may as well give it a go and just see what happens. Because again, wow. nothing else has worked out at this point. Let's just give it a shot and then just try it and see what works. And sure enough, uh, we tried it and it worked. Wow. <laughs> it just keeps working. Our stories are different there because my wife is like, You're, you want to go into marketing? <laughs> it's like, who's going to yeah. pay you that much money to when you, when you were a Baptist preacher before, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's funny. Less than a year into being, it, I guess about seven or eight months in to being StoryBrand certified initially. So the summer of 2017, I'd only been a guide like two months. And I spent, a, I spent four hours with about 30 people in a room and they represented about 11 or 12 different theme parks across the U.S. and one in Canada and about a one and a half billion dollar annual revenue company. Wow. And yeah. I remember thinking, and then including their mega ad agency out of Chicago. I mean, these right. companies are huge. It's like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Like if they only knew that a year ago I didn't have a job, like, <laughs> I was waiting to get found out. And then I left. And I thought they never found out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it feels great to be able to be generous, to be able to support your family, to buy, you know, a home and stuff. So yeah. congratulations, Wes. Thanks. And, and we, we owe a lot to, um, to the story brand framework, right? And that's what you're doing. Uh, yeah. helping businesses grow, helping good people connect with the people that they want to reach. So let's talk about copywriting because you're the only let's one on the faculty talking about, Copywriting. So sure. we're going to talk today about the five biggest mistakes that uh, yeah. most business leaders are making when it comes to their copywriting. And uh, the floor is yours, Wes. Take it over. Thanks. Yeah. So I think when we think copywriting, we think, oh, we got to go hire a writer. We need to go to Upwork.com or we need to add a full-time writer to our team. The reality is, in, even in modern business, we're all technically copywriters, right? Because we're all writing words for some use. 
maybe we're a copywriter focused on internal communication. Maybe we're a copywriter focused on external communication, marketing, press releases, advertising, whatever. But the reality is we're all writing because think about your average day. What are you doing? You're writing and responding to emails. You're writing and responding to Basecamp or Slack or Asana. You're right. communicating via text. You're preparing notes for a meeting. We're constantly communicating and using words to do it. It's one of the great things we love about the StoryBrand framework is it helps us figure out what the right words ought to be and the right position we need to take in order to figure out what we need to go out in the market and say. But I think too many business leaders, whether you're in StoryBrand or out of it, still make a lot of really common mistakes that unfortunately create a lot more confusion. When you create confusion externally, you lose potential customers or you have customers who just don't buy from you again. 45 minutes ago before this, before we got on, hopped on the call, I was talking to a guy who said, listen, we're doing well. We've got, we're selling in Europe, we're selling in the US. Problem is not many people buy from us a second time. They'll buy a first time. They just don't realize they should buy from us a second time based on their product. That's a problem, right? And it comes right. down to the content they're writing and how they're positioning it. So we're going to talk about five super, super practical things that you as a business leader or as a business owner can do today when you go to write copy for your website, a weekly email, even an internal company email, right? If you're going to write it, these five tips are going to help you. So let's start with tip number one. The biggest mistake, the no, I think the number one mistake people make in copywriting is they don't start with their audience in mind. If you don't know who you're writing to or who you're speaking to, you'll never know. You'll never know what to say. Right? I think one of the most obvious examples of that is Jif Peanut Butter. Right? <laughs> Whoever was the original brand manager behind Jif Peanut Butter knew their audience was moms. Moms are the ones who typically go to the grocery store. Moms are the ones who are typically preparing school lunches and thinking about providing for the family at mealtime, et cetera. So with that in mind, some brilliant copywriter or some brilliant brand manager came up with choosy moms choose GIF, right? Now, had they not realized they were speaking to mothers, had they not realized who their audience was, they might have come up with something cute and clever that didn't resonate with the people they were talking to. Right. But that's what most of us do. We don't think about who we're talking to, so we have no idea what to say. A great example of this is uh, happens in our homes. If you're married and you have kids, if you were just to, like, if I was to walk out that door of my office, my, our kitchen is right through that door. So if I was just to walk out and just start talking without thinking about whether I'm speaking to my wife or to my four-year-old, and if I get those things backwards, it's going to be odd conversations on both ends. <laughs> because my four-year-old won't be able to answer questions about signing an updated insurance policy yeah. or questions about the, our, our home closing in a couple of weeks. And by, um, my wife would be probably annoyed if I asked her questions or talked to her the way I speak to my four-year-old. We have yeah, she, to just, she might not want to talk about Paw Patrol or Peppa Pig or whatever, right? Oh, uh, Paw Patrol or Tayo the bus or, um, and I could go on. I'd rather not. Questions we talked about when we were dating our wives. Uh -huh. Just don't, they, you know, they were more interested in those things then, but not today. Yeah. More interested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, you've got to think about who your audience is. When you forget about it, everything else is going to go awry. Who are you talking to? Are you talking to a prospect as far as a potential customer? Are you speaking to a current customer? Are you speaking to an employee? Who are you talking to? This requires empathy. This requires you to stop long enough and think through, see the world through the other person's eyes, sit in their seat, 
this doesn't take that long. You could take five minutes and think about, okay, right. I'm writing an email to our list. Who am I writing to? What do they care about? Who are they? Maybe you can visualize somebody, but make too many people make the, the fundamental mistake of not starting with their audience in mm -hmm. mind. So that I think is the number one problem. Mm -hmm. Second thing that I think a lot of, that a lot of people don't, or a, lot of, a mistake a lot of business leaders make is when they're writing, they never bring up a problem. Right. right. When you and I, John, know on StoryBrand, we talk a lot about the elements of story. And one of the core elements of telling any story is problems, right? If there's no problem in a story, if there's no tension in a story, then there's not really a story. Mm -hmm. Like if you saw the Taken with Liam Neeson in 2008, I guess it was, uh, that whole movie is one giant problem. Like the first seven and a half to 10 minutes is not a problem. And the last three minutes is not a problem. The remaining yeah. 80 minutes is one problem after another, right? And, and all the sequels afterwards were bigger problems for the, for the revenue. Uh -huh. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. The first yeah. one was great. Yeah. The, taking two and three were box office problems. But that's yeah, box office problems. Right? Uh, like we saw, and I guess it's coming out again this summer, the Jack Ryan series on Amazon Prime last summer. Yeah. And Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and everybody who has binge-watchable uh, binge original content, they know they have to end with a problem in order to keep you hooked. Mm -hmm. Because if they don't, you're not going to want to stay up till 3 a.m. and watch the next six episodes, right? Right, right. Dang it, it's midnight. I got work in the morning. But now I want to know why he's going to Russia all of a sudden. I'm so yeah. bought in. People, we got time for one more. You look. We got time for one. We got time for one more. Yeah, we got time for one more. Yeah, this chair is comfortable. I'm not going anywhere. I can yeah, sleep here. Yeah. Um, but when when we're writing content, we don't think about. We don't ever state or think about a problem. We don't think about something that people are dealing with it. They're wrestling with it. It's all kind of. It's easy to get kind of vague and fluffy if you're not thinking about issues. I, I just last night. I was going back and forth with a friend on Facebook who is running a small marketing firm and wants to do a little bit of a rebrand and a website update his website. And he posted pictures of uh, his header and his kind of section above the fold, below the fold. So we went back and forth and it just didn't make sense. And he knew it, but he was so stuck. And I said, you're not telling me a problem I have. Right. Like none of this really says, Hey, we understand most business owners face this or too many business owners struggle with that. You're going to go, mm -hmm. Yeah. They do, and then you we're gonna read. If we that's can't why think, we write stuff, right? We want to uh -huh. hook people. Like, why is uh -huh. my writing not getting attention? Well, because yeah. you're not agitating the problem. People don't know yeah. why they should keep reading, so they're gonna ignore you. Uh -huh. They're busy. They got stuff to do. Yeah, and our, and did, I read an article a few weeks ago that said uh, some studies indicate we can read as many as a hundred thousand words a day. Now that sounds nuts because that's the equivalent of two New York Times bestselling business books. Right. But think about all the things we read on social media. All the some of the Instagram captions I've read seem like 10,000 words. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about all the emails and the Slack messages and the text messages. We're reading a lot, mm -hmm. but the things that are going to captivate us the most are when we, when we talk about problems. When people tell stories, right, we want to focus on the challenges people have. So think of a problem, and it doesn't have to be some grand Thanos is going to snap the world into oblivion kind of problem. It could be something really specific, right? Like it could be, if you're a lawn care company, the problem could be that people just don't have time to mow their yard or they don't know how to treat some certain, some kind of weed that's specific to your area or they're not, you know, whatever it is. Think about that specific felt problem and then talk about 
that problem. When you don't, when you don't state a problem, you're not going to hook people because we are naturally inclined to lean in when we see a problem. Because we're also constantly as a species looking for solutions. It's the reason we don't Google words, we Google questions. It's the reason why when we talk to our devices, which I won't say their names because I have my phone in front of me and my Amazon <laughs> device over there on my shelf. They're always um, listening anyways. Wes. They They're are. And I don't want to start that circle of chaos. <laughs> we ask questions. Like I don't say, hey, device, weather. I say, hey, what's the weather today? Right? right. I have a question because I have a problem I'm trying to mm-hmm. solve. So state, you don't state a problem is one of the biggest mistakes people make. Number three Another mistake people made in copywriting is they never tell me what's at stake, both good or bad. I never right. understand consequences. Uh, if I don't see a vision for a better tomorrow, I have mm-hmm. no reason to engage tomorrow. Yeah. But if I also don't see what I could lose, lose, I don't know what why I should do business with you. You know, right. one of the best examples of this was uh, P90X, or, or is P90X. When P90X first came out, I don't know, 15 years ago or whatever it was, they killed it, right? I mean, they sold it boatload. I knew everybody I knew seemed to have that set. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, like they never advertised that it was a DVD box set. I mean, you, they told they told you that somewhere. But if you watch the original 30-minute infomercial, it's all about before and after, right? There's some, this is my life before. I was tired. I was out of shape, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I felt insecure, but now I'm confident, I'm athletic, I feel great, I have more energy, et cetera. All right, so the P90X built their brand off of the after pictures. Fitness products build their brand off of the after pictures. All of our high school friends selling their network marketing products are trying to sell us on the after pictures because intuitively we want to see a vision of how our lives can be better. We want to see, oh, mm-hmm. if I go here, I could be like that. I was reading a book last night. I'm going to do a plug here. There's a book coming out. It's called uh, Covert Cows and Chick-fil-A. It's, the, it's a book coming out in June about, uh, from the CMO of Chick-fil-A. And he, he used to work at Six Flags, which is a theme park that has a location outside of Atlanta. And he said one of the things they used to do in their marketing was talk about how it's not just about riding roller coasters and eating cotton candy and all that stuff. It was about the shared experiences that you have with family. So that's the positive outcome, the positive things that are at stake mm-hmm. by doing business. But the negative of that is you're going to miss those experiences with family, right? You have to tell people and show people mm-hmm. what's at stake. If I don't take action, how does my problem get worse? Going back to the point number two. Mm-hmm. But if, if I do take action, how does my problem get better? Yeah. Right? So whatever you're writing today, start by thinking about what is, who is your audience? Just say, hey, my audience is customers. Great. Number two, what's a problem they have? Right? Be state a problem. Talk about that problem and then also tell me what's at stake. Right? What what's at stake if I do take action? What's at stake if I don't take action? Yeah. There has to be some kind of consequences. I was like in a movie just before the bomb is diffused and everything goes happily uh-huh. raptor. There's always that egghead scene, right? Where the guy's standing in front of a map and it's always uh-huh. the bomb radius, right? And in, in five hours, there's going to be this many skulls. And then in 10 hours, there's, you know, twice as many. And then yep. in 24 hours, the whole and thing that, is full of skulls. And it's like, that's <laughs> the consequences. So what's the equivalent of that in your writing is what you're saying, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Think and again, it, it doesn't have to be if Thanos snaps again, we're all dead. Right. It can be something a lot less dramatic, but right. there, tell me what's at stake if right. I don't do business with you. 
I think number four, and this one is super common, but it's easily fixable. And that is there are too many calls to action. If you've right. seen an email, there are too many buttons. If you have a website, there are too many things I can click. People yep. want to be led somewhere, right? We, that's why there are road signs. That's why we love our GPS to say, turn right, turn left, right? We want to be told where to go. We're not because we're idiots, not mm-hmm. because we're usually not because we're dumb. Sometimes we do dumb things. Usually after we have a newborn. Uh, is when we do our dumbest things. I've got a four-week-old at the house right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you're you preaching, do. brother. You're preaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, people want to be led, especially when they're maybe going to do business with you or buy from you or take action with your company. Mm-hmm. They don't do this every day, and so they need to be told what happens next. But if you give them 34 options, they're not going to. They're either not going to know where to go, or they're going to go to the wrong place. Mm-hmm. I had a client one time that you know, had 30,000 people on an email list, great product, should have been making quite a bit of money and growing a really successful business, but there was some struggle going on. And uh, some of it was technical because of the platform that are, the company was built on, but some of it was, was marketing. So I said, hey, send me an email or forward me your last email newsletter. Okay. And it had 27 different buttons to click. Not the same thing 27 times. Yeah. 27 links to 27 different places. And I'm like, I think I found the problem, right? (laughs) We don't need to tell people there's a YouTube channel that hasn't been updated in four years. I don't need to send an email that says go to Facebook. It doesn't matter. I don't need to send an email that says go to Twitter. I don't need to send an email that reminds people of something long ago. I need to say, go here, buy this thing, click to buy now, right? Click to buy now. There's a tendency to think, oh, we want to give people all the options in case they want to do something else. Although what happens is, though, is the opposite. Nobody takes action because the right people don't know what they're supposed to do. Right. But if you say, click here to buy now or click here to join the webinar, click here to register for the event, click here for a sales or to schedule a call, whatever it is, just mm-hmm. tell us and make that the one thing, both saying your emails and your website. A lot of times, and John, I know you do this too is when you're thinking about writing, let's say a website, keep your calls to action to a minimum. Mm-hmm. You can have a bunch at the bottom of the website, but right. minimize those and say, what's the one action I want people to take? If they don't do anything else, what's the one thing I want them to do? And then be really explicit about that. I, you know, I grew up in church. I worked in churches. And this concept is usually what makes the end of a church service really awkward. right? And here's why. Is the pastor or the preacher is unclear or is gives you too many potential calls to action. So you're sitting there in church. We've all been there. You go, if I raise my hand or if I stand up, am I like signing a three year commitment to, to the preschool ministry? Right. To serve in like daycare or like if, (laughs) if I stand up, am I about to get baptized? Like, I don't know what's going on because the call to action was either too many or it was unclear. Give me one thing you want me to do and be really explicit with it. And Mm -hmm. I'll do it. Go here, do this, be explicit. The last thing, the last copywriting mistake people make is not actually a writing mistake. It's actually an editing mistake. And the mistake is people don't read what they wrote out loud. And okay. that, sound, that sounds ridiculous, but, but too often we'll write things. We feel proud of ourselves that we filled a blank page and yeah. we get sinned or we just get it out of sight, out of mind. But stopping and reading it out loud, not in your head, but literally reading it out loud 
is one of the best exercises you can do in writing because what it does is it forces you to make edits and rewrite it. You're not going to rewrite the whole thing, but you're going to go, oh, that doesn't really sound great. Or you're going to say, that doesn't really sound like me. I'd say, let me rearrange this. You don't have to be a master editor or a master writer to, to figure that out. Just read it out loud and you're going to go, yeah, I wouldn't I actually wouldn't say it that way. Or eh, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I should move it around. By reading it out loud, what you're doing is now you're doing the work of putting it in your own voice. So it sounds like it was written from you. Because too often, a lot of times people get overwhelmed and intimidated by the concept of writing anything. But if, if you just take the time to read it out loud, you're going to have be more confident in writing it again. So you're going to come out with an even better version than you did before. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say you write an email to your email list tomorrow. Um, let's say it's 150 words, which is not a ton, but it's a decent little email. Take 90 seconds maybe to read it out loud. Maybe not even maybe a minute to read it out loud. And you're going to come away way with 10 or 15 minutes worth of changes to make. And it's going to be really, really good. Mm -hmm. So to recap, the number one mistake people make is they don't start with the audience in mind. They don't know who they're writing to. Number two, they never state a problem or an issue that they're trying to resolve. Number three, they never tell us what's at stake, both good or bad. Number four, Mm -hmm. there's no, there's too many calls to action, right? People just don't know what they ought to do. And number five, we don't read it out loud. We don't take the time to read through it, edit it a bit, and ha- come out on the other side by with something that's written much stronger and much clearer. Awesome. Hey, Wes, what's at stake if, if people uh, don't listen to those top five uh, copywriting mistakes? What's going to happen to them? You're going to go broke and bankrupt. <laughs> Maybe not. No, what's going to He's going to snap his fingers and you're going to not cease to exactly. exist. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The financial Thanos is going to snap and you're going to vanish. Um, you know, what's at stake is we wind up wasting the time and energy of our audience and the attention of our audience, and we waste our time and money. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies pour a ton of money into marketing. There's a, a survey that came out last year that said that companies uh, around 500 million or less tend to spend about 10% of their budget on marketing. Companies at 5 billion or more tend to spend about 13% of their annual budget on marketing. That's a lot of marketing dollars. And it's only going to go up in the coming years. Yeah. So we're spending a lot of money on our marketing efforts. And if we're, and if we're not taking the time to figure out what we're going to say to people, then we're just lighting money on fire with the ways that we say it. Mm-hmm. But if we stop and say, what are we trying to say to our, who's our audience? What's their problem? What's at stake? What do they want to do next? And then we read it out loud to make it even stronger. If we do those five things, then we're better positioned to create content, to write an email, to write a blog post, write a newsletter, write a website, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's going to be better targeted at the people that we want to do business with us. And they're going to better understand what's in it for them and how they need to take action. I mean, that that is what success looks like, right? You write to actually make a connection with people so they know what to do. Mm -hmm. It's going to exactly. Hey, I know you have little nuggets that you like to give. You, you gave one, you didn't even realize how much you were uh, impacting me. You wrote one little post about how, if you write the word will in your copy, oh, you yeah. probably are wasting your time. You don't need it. So many times, Wes, this is like the, it's like Seinfeld with Newman, right? Newman, I'm like, Wes K. <laughs> I'll be writing something out and I'll look and I'll have the word will in there twice uh-huh. in one sentence or something. Uh-huh. Like I can yeah. take that one out and I can take that one out. Yep. 
what else do you got? Just like sure. rapid fire, you know, yeah. great uh, honey nectar from, uh, from Westgate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when you're reading it out loud, uh, step five, look to take out the word that, cause you almost never need the word that it's filler. Uh, and then I always say, I can, I say go will hunting, like go look for the word will take it out. Go look for the word can take it out. Here's why you don't need it. Right. So let's say you're selling, um, tickets to an event and you, you might be tempted to say you will learn blah, blah, blah. That feels passive. It feels too future. It's this like potential thing I might do. What I typically say is, and this is more action oriented because I want to focus more on the verbs. I say, when you attend, you learn one, two, three. Right. I want to almost subtly put them in the story and make them feel like they're already there. Not like you will learn or you can enjoy. It's too soft. I think it's a little too passive. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of words I like to take out. I also, uh, from a formatting perspective, I also break things up quite a bit. So I might, you know, sorry to all, if there's any English teachers listening, I apologize. Yeah. Earmuffs now. Um, I never go a full four or five sentences in a paragraph. I'm usually like two, maybe yeah. three if they're short enough because I want it to be people scan before they read. And if there's big blocks of text, nobody cares. But if you break mm-hmm. it up, it's a little easier to read through. That's another one. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, this is a pure formatting thing that's going to make your writing more interesting. If you ever have a list of say three things in a sentence, turn that list into three bullet points. Right. right? So what happens then is instead of having a long ish sentence, you've now broken it up with formatting and now you've got three bullet points that kind of breaks up the flow and my eyes are drawn to it when I'm scanning. So one of the best things you can do is, is write with reading in mind. So you think about how somebody's going to read this on an iPhone or their laptop or whatever, uh, so that they're more likely to read it and more likely to engage with whatever you put out there. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, Wes has given us five points plus a little extra there. Wes, thank you so much. And when I say thank you, like I, I legitimately mean it. Like you are a generous <laughs> man and you have been used in a huge way in the story brand community and way up here in the great white north of, uh, <laughs> of Canada. And so thanks, Wes, for, for your willingness to do this. I know you got a ton of stuff on the go and yet you're willing to take some time. Uh, let's just, I want to make it fruitful for you in some way. Sure. And what can people do if they're like, hey, I got to check out more about what Wes has yeah. to offer and maybe even uh, become one of your clients. What, sure. What yeah, uh, there's two things. One, go connect with me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Wes Gay is the easiest kind of social network to get with me on. And then the other thing is go to my agency's website. We're higher, H-I-R-E, wayfinder.com, higherwayfinder.com. And if you have children, particularly girls, and you saw Moana, they do talk about the word Wayfinder in that movie. I realized after I applied and filed for an LLC for that name. So we kind of have a Moana connection now. And it includes The (laughs) Rock. So I'll take any connection to Dwayne The Rock Johnson that I can. You probably get it all the time. Are you you Dwayne The Rock Johnson? I mean, I will say we've never been seen in the same room. I can just (laughs) confirm. That's right. Oh, thanks, Wes. It's been great uh, getting a chance to chat with you and uh, you've given us lots to think about. So thanks so much. Hey, thanks, John. All right. So that was Wes Gay. Wes is a good dude. I hope you enjoyed that. Copywriters, that was something for you. But if you're just an amateur copywriter, like many of us, if you've ever had to write an email or uh, you know, a proposal or a social media post, you are a copywriter as well. So uh, I hope that uh, you gained something from this and that it was helpful for you. 
Uh, thanks so much for listening this far. It's been great having you in on the conversation. Uh, you guys make this worthwhile. You make it fun because these people wouldn't just come if it was just about me uh, trying to get an hour of their time, right? This is about uh, you guys. We're here to serve you. I hope it was helpful. And I hope it was a great time. Whatever you're doing right now, if you're on the bike or on the walk or cutting the lawn, uh, whatever you're doing, I uh, hope it was a fruitful time. Thanks so much for listening. If you need help getting a clear message for your business, or you need a website you truly love, visit getclear.ca. If you liked what you heard today, please leave an honest review on whatever platform you're using to listen. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Get Clear Podcast. We look forward to sharing another great episode coming up soon.